Good morning. We're gonna we're gonna get going with Jacob again. And today's a happier time for Jacob. Last time we left Jacob, he was still doing all of his Jacob nonsense. And uh he had fleed to Laban. And uh we'll just do a little Jacob overview real quick. So Jacob, when he was in the womb, was struggling with his brother. It says that when he was born, he came out grabbing his brother's heel, and then he was named Jacob, and the name Jacob means deceiver. So that's a really cruddy name to get. We still call people Jacob. I don't think they know that it means deceiver, but that's all right. So if there's any Jacobs, you're fine. Yeah, so so it says like within the womb there was fighting, and uh, she knew she knew something was up. And they had the kids. Jacob comes out. It says that Jacob was not a manly man like Esau. Esau was a manly man with a fur pelt on his body and everything. And um, he stole his brother's birthright with a meal. We talked about that um, just briefly. He took advantage of the situation, and at this point, at least he wasn't lying about it. He wasn't being truthful with what he was trying to do, and uh, Esau went with it. And then he outright lies to his father to, re- to receive his brother's blessing. So he's going to take that birthright and take that blessing. And you'll remember um, Isaac asked him, who are you? He's like, oh, I'm Esau. That's how that started out. He ends up getting both. He Then he leaves in a rush. Mom and dad send him off. Esau is full of hatred and murder at that point for his brother. And uh, he kind of leaves in a rush. And he goes, and as he's going through the desert, he meets Yahweh in a dream, some kind of dream or vision state. The Bible's not extremely clear. And he sees some pretty weird stairs with spiritual beings going up and down the stairs and through some kind of portal thing at the top where uh, the angel of the Lord is standing. And uh, he he talks to the angel of the Lord, which we believe is Jesus. That is debatable on many websites, but modern scholarship, we're pretty sure the angel of Yahweh is that. Not to be confused with the people, again, who think that like the Archangel Michael was Jesus. That's not, that's not what we're doing. Um, so he has this weird thing, and that's his moment. He knows that at this point, he knows, okay, I'm part of this spiritual journey. I'm sure Isaac had taught him much. But again, Jacob was just being Jacob. And this seems to be a slight wake-up for Jacob, and it, he kind of gets serious after that. Um, says he just used to hang around in the tents with mom, and now he is on the run and in the desert and heading to find himself a wife, and it's time to grow up. I don't know if that means he was like, they didn't have video games, he wasn't just playing video games in his parents' basement, but he was doing something in the tents, something that wasn't manly enough for his father. And so we're going to see this, uh, we're going to see this father, father loves him, but, but Jacob still needs some help with that. He gets to Laban. We talked about this on Mother's Day, so this is thrown way back. We talked about the whole Leah and Rachel escapade. He gets there. 
Um, he puts his years in to, to work and get Rachel, and then Laban tricks him with Leah, and then he works again to get Rachel, and Laban does allow him to marry Rachel, and then the drama ensues between the sisters, and the drama ensues between Laban and Jacob, and Jacob is actually a hard-working guy doing what he's supposed to be doing, and Laban is now taking advantage of that, so the deceiver is getting deceived and taken advantage of. And then finally they just leave. Um, this, is, this is when they finally leave. They are leaving with 11 children at this point. If you remember right, we talked about um, way back, we talked about Leah not being able to get pre- pregnant, so then she gives Jacob her maidservant, Jacob has kids with the maidservant, then all of a sudden Leah can get pregnant, then he has, uh, he has children with Leah, Rachel's maidservant, then he gets Rachel pregnant. So he's got, he's got these kids by these four different women, all within this household. Stress over top with the way Laban's treating Jacob. This is not a fun situation for Jacob. He's got 11 kids. He decides it's time to get out of town. And so he does. He abruptly leaves. Um, and this enrages Laban that he's just taken off. I think Laban is going to miss his daughters, but Laban's also going to miss the guy that keeps making him all of his money. And Laban pursues. Rachel was a sneaky snake herself and stole her father's gods, which we are called teraphim. It's an old custom. We're not we're going to really get into that, but that's an interesting custom. They're things that you had in your house to represent who you served. And uh, Rachel takes them. So obviously, Rachel, this whole cultivation of just Yahweh and Yahweh alone hasn't really kicked in for their family yet. Laban pursues them, but Yahweh is with Jacob. And uh, at the end of this story, Jacob is a better version of Jacob, but he's still Jacob. And so that's where we're going to start. So Jacob took this journey. He was up in Haran, and he takes that journey down. That's that... uh, that orange line from the top to roughly, you get down to where it says Gilead. Um, and all of that has taken place. It's not much of a journey. We just know that he made the travel. And then we're going to pick up with him hanging out there. And so Genesis 32, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw that he saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of the place Mahanaim, and that means two camps. And so whether the camps are going to talk about how he's going to split his camps or whether it means my camp and God's camp, that's what it means. It just means two camps. One thing to think about, we'll talk about this more in October, is why is the host of heaven in a camp on earth? Why do angels need to be in a camp? A lot of times we think about angels and People just think that angels can just be here and there and everywhere and blinks of an eye. And um, so far, what we've seen in Genesis is angels showing up and walking around and having to walk places. And now they're staying in camps and they can eat food. And um, we're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk about more about what we know about the spiritual realm um, in October. Because October is, you know, it's the month of the spiritual for everybody else. So we want to give a good, a good synopsis of what the Bible says about spiritual beings. But I just want to just keep this in mind. Why, why do angels need to be camping together out in the desert? What's going on? Where are they traveling to? The Bible doesn't really give us answers on what they're doing there. 
or where they're traveling to, they could be providing Jacob with protection. But it kind of seems like Jacob came upon this camp of angels. So that's always, that's interesting. Um, So Jacob meets with these angels. Obviously, they must encourage him. And right away, Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau's brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. So that's where I've been, which I would think that Esau probably figured that out by now. It's been at least 14 years or whatever. Um, Thus says your servant Jacob, And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We we came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking, If Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will be able to escape. So right away, he's already, he, in his mind, I don't know if he's just figuring that Esau is kind of like him and maybe Esau is out for revenge, the 400 men. Um, why would Esau bring 400 men if he wasn't coming to attack? I think that's what he's thinking. And Jacob said, O oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, a Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan. And he's talking about his journey out, his escape. He only had a staff with him. And now I have become two camps. So he's just saying, thanks, Lord, for all that you've done for me in this time. I realize that I'm not worthy of what you've done for me, which is a good place to have your heart. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he's just bringing this back up to God as if God doesn't know. Um, I think it just shows his relationship with Yahweh is not fully there yet. It's not super, super faithful yet. And so it's almost like, remember you said this, so, so do this for me. And so he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. Then he handed over to his servant every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. And he instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, Moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us, for he thought I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterward I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed the night in that camp. So the idea is that he's just going to wear his brother down with all of these gifts and all of these offerings because he just figures that's how it's going to go. 
And, uh, and also, if Esau is ready to attack, Esau's going to attack all that stuff before he attacks him. And he'll know. So again, not much faith in his brother. It could be that his brother has had a change of heart and God's been working on his brother and maybe his brother is bringing 400 men to protect him on their way back. But Jacob is not seen it that way. The same night he arose and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Slightly confusing thing going on here. Why are they calling him a man that he's wrestling with? When... This seems to be like a wrestling match that's going for all of the night. He has some kind of superpower that can just touch a hip and put a hip out of joint. So a couple things here. Jacob had to know something was up. This was some kind of spiritual being because Jacob is asking for a blessing. Traditionally, angels don't give the blessings if it was just an angel. Um, and we'll read on. But one thing that was interesting is... Jacob goes alone again, and then this happens. So God is, God is using these moments of being alone to impact Jacob's life. Just a reminder to us to take some of those moments alone and see if God is waiting for some of those moments. Jacob sees this. Jacob wants a blessing. And what I like about this is that it kind of brings, it brings closure to some of Jacob's mistakes in his past. And so, and he, talking about the spiritual being, he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. I've always wondered about that, because obviously if this is the angel of Yahweh, he knows Jacob's name. And then I got to, it made sense to me, what is that about? Why is he asking him his name? Anyone thought about that? It is because what, what, when, when Isaac is about to bless Jacob, give Jacob the blessing in a deceitful way, Jacob is asked, what is your name? And when Isaac passes the blessing on, Jacob is taking the blessing, saying that he's Esau, that he's a deceiver. And God knows this. And so God is asking him, here is your chance to come clean. If you want this blessing, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. So Jacob is honestly setting forth for the blessings. That's the whole name thing. It's not that God didn't know his name. It's not that whatever the spiritual being, some people will debate it. I think it was the angel of Yahweh, and we'll look at Hosea next, because Hosea talks about this. But it's not that that God is a forgetful God and he doesn't know his name. He's giving Jacob a chance out. He's giving Jacob a chance to erase this thing that went before with truth, and Jacob does it. And, And then he is... He was reciprocated the blessing because of what he did. And then he said, You're no long, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So there, the fun part is use your name. Tell me your name. My, my name is Deceiver. I'm, I'm accepting the fact that I'm Deceiver. And I want this blessing. And God said, Because you've come and you're not trying to deceive at this point, you are no longer Deceiver. So it's a good day for Jacob. 
And I, I like that that's worked out. I also like that it's worked out that you got to remember Jacob is not the manly man. If, if, if the angel of Yahweh had shown up to wrestle with Esau, it would have been a match, right? Because Esau is the hawking, furry hunter master that is talked about. And, and here we have Jacob who was usually just hanging in the tents. And Jacob is the room wrestling. So I think God is giving him that chance. God is giving him that chance to wrestle that whatever that is, that striving there, even though Jacob's not seen as that guy, it is that chance for Jacob to be that guy. And I like that. It's just To me, it's, it's a beautiful fulfillment. It's a done. It's like a chapter is closing in his life, and it's happy. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he says, why is it that you ask my name? So that's kind of a throwback to, like, you should know. And there he blessed him. And so Jacob called the, the name of the place, Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. And therefore, to that day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the sinew of the thigh. So this gets mentioned again in Hosea, as Hosea is prophesying against for Israel, but also against Israel and Judah. In Hosea 12, the Lord has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. Jacob, again, the prename of Israel. So he's slamming Israel right now by referring back to that deceptive name as opposed to Israel. And he will repay them according to his deeds. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood, he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and and there God spoke with us. The Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice, and wait continually for your God. So there he's just, he's giving a warning to Israel, you need to go back. You know, you're a nation that's striving with God, you need to go back. But here we have it referred to as, it says right in three, in his manhood he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. So it's that, that another connection of that angel of Yahweh thing. Um. That's the only other time that they really talk about that in the Old Testament. And so he's just wrestled. He's just received his blessing. He's been wrestling to the dawn. And now he is about to go and face his anxiety that he's been worried about the last day. Well, forever, probably quite a while, thinking about his reunion with his brother. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah, Leah, and Rachel, and the two female servants. And he put the servants with their children in front, and Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. So, thanks, Jacob. Just when we were really starting to like you, he's got like the waves of who I'm okay with getting killed first. And so he's got the servants and their kids out front. The wife he didn't really care about with her kids, and then he's keeping the wife that he does love and Joseph back. And he himself went on before them, which is, that's, that's a good move, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, who are these with you? And Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. 
Then the servants drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah, likewise, and her children drew near and bowed down. And last, Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all of this company that I have met? Jacob answered, To find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hands. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. Thus he urged him, and he took it. So this is nice in the fact that Esau didn't need it. I think Jacob needed Esau to take this more than Esau needed to take it. I think it was one of those situations. I think for Jacob, this is that, remember that birthright, the birthright was that access to all of the goods, all of the property, all of that stuff that will be left. And I think in Jacob's mind, this is starting to make amends um, for what I took. So he's kind of he's kind of washing out that birthright issue, what he did to deceive for the birthright. And he's washed out that deception for the blessing that he took the night wrestling with the angel. And you're kind of getting a Jacob stepping into that role that he's going to have to step into as the father to the nation, to the nations. And then Esau said, let us journey on our way and I will go ahead of you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are frail and that the nursing flocks and herds are care to me. If they are driven hard for one day, all the flocks will die. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant and I will lead on slowly at the pace of my livestock that are ahead of me and at the pace of the children until I come to my Lord and see her. And so Esau said, let me leave with you some of, some of the people who are with me. So I think Esau has, that's, that's his protection. That's his contingent of protection. Um, but he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. And so Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, but Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkoth, which makes you think of Sukkot, which is the, the booths, the festival of booths. And so Jacob is going to take his time. He's got a lot. He's made that giant journey I showed you on the map. There's a lot of stuff going on in that journey. And uh, he's down there with, with his large entourage that God has blessed him with. And uh, again, looking at Esau, it's not the same Esau that we saw when we left either. So, so God was doing something with Esau during that time. We know that Esau ends up with his own 12 kids too. And God's going through that. Um, also, Esau must have been something because normally when someone would travel through the desert, you don't, and when it says 400 men or whatever, I mean, they're talking, they're not talking like this is just a normal caravan. They're talking about he's coming with warriors and so it kind of makes you aware, what's, where's Esau in this whole range of what's going on locally too? What's Esau been up to? Um, that's, what he's, he's, that's his entourage, his 400 warriors. Um, and so I think that kind of draws back to Esau inserting himself in those things earlier. But we see that Esau is fine with Jacob doing that. Esau has every right to think that Jacob could be being a sneaky snake by coming in later. 
And who knows what he's, you know, what Jacob's going to do as he travels, who he gets on his side, what's he, you know, he has the ability, he could just be very scared of Jacob, but he's not. He's not worried at all. And um, it's just nice. Jacob kind of gets his, his closure for, you know, how he's painted in the beginning. And he's going to go on. There's going to be more, more stories with Jacob, but we're going to switch more to Jacob's kids as things go on. And Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Padamaram. And he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land on which he had pitched his tent. And there he erected an altar, and he called it El Elohoi Israel, which means here is God, God of Israel, I believe. And so that's where we're going to leave Jacob. We're not going to spend much time with Jacob in the future. Um, I think we're going to jump right to Joseph, which will have some Jacob in him. But Jacob and Esau, evidently, they, they are living in good relationship to each other. The story is going to go on. Jacob's kids are going to start doing those Jacob things that Jacob used to do. And Jacob's going to have to worry about these 12 boys of his that he's got going on, and he's got daughters also. And then their stories start up. And then Isaac and his wife passes away, and the story completely shifts over to to Jacob's kids. And um, some stuff goes on. We're not going to dwell on the stuff that goes on. There's some interesting stuff that happens, but we'll catch back up with Joseph because everybody wants to get to Joseph and whatever that jacket was about. And so, so that's where we are with Jacob. What I like about it is, again, just that it feels good. It feels good to see God dealt directly with the issues when he, when he came. And Jacob is like two continual tests in a row that kind of go back to issues that he's had since childhood. And God, God used those, those things to heal him up. And it could have ended much differently for both Esau and Jacob with the way that everything had started. But, but God's promises to Abraham and to Isaac to do that with his kids. And the fact that that redemption is possible is wonderful, especially when we look at um, these families in Genesis aren't much different than the families that we see when we look around, probably not much different than our families at times. And so just seeing that, that God has always had that out for families to, to do that. So that's where I'm going to end today. A little shorter today. Um, next week, I think I'm gonna, we're going to get on to Joseph. And then in October, I do want to look at, I want to start looking at the spiritual realm as we get into that month where the media starts propping up the wrong. And I kind of want to look at, we haven't looked at the good guys. I want to look, I want to start with looking at uh, what we call angels, but these spiritual beings that seem to be serving Yahweh and the weird stuff that we see in the Old Testament. And sometimes we get a lot of what we have is painted by medieval Christianity that kind of comes through and trying to return to like, what were people thinking back then about these? What did the early Christian fathers think? What did the second temple Jews think about these spiritual beings? Um, why are they hanging out in camps? Why are they walking places? Why do they sometimes show up in the sky? And like, what is all that about? It's a lot of stuff. So, I think we're going to look at the good guys right away in October, and then we'll get to the bad guys. And so 
Yeah, that's kind of where we're going. So good job, Jacob. Finished well. And even finishes well as you read on. Though part of the problems with his boys and each other, it's kind of on him. But I don't know. I wasn't there. So let's pray. And then I'll benedict, do a benediction, and then we'll leave. So, dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your attentiveness to what we need. We thank you that you know what's on the inside of us. We thank you you know that our, what our issues are. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to realize when you are testing us. Help us to realize when you're ready to deal with those things. Help us to not run from those things and spend 14, 20 years running around in the desert, working our behinds off to do things and not really facing the issues that that you have for us. And uh, I just ask that you would help us with that, that you'd help us to see the testing. And Lord, I just ask right now that you would help us in all things family. Lord, as we continue to talk about this original family that you're working through, Lord, I just pray for our families today. I pray for the uh, the relationships within our families, some of the weird things within our families, Lord, maybe things that have, that have hurt or cut families up. Lord, I just pray for those right now. Lord, I just ask that you would, you would bless all of us in here today and our families, especially as we come upon the season where we start doing maybe more family stuff, Lord, that there would be restoration in this season coming up for our families between brothers and sisters and brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters and parents and kids, whatever it is, Lord, um, that we would find peace in our families. So, Lord, we pray for that right now, and we thank you. Jesus, we thank you that you, that you pay attention to that stuff. Lord, we know the role that you had for families right from the start. So, Lord, we just, again, we just pray for our families. Lord, we just pray for restoration. Holy Spirit, give us those ideas and things that we need to tackle that. We love you. Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. And then I'd I'd like to start praying the benediction when I close. I know it. So, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.